All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is always truth. It's always on time. Thank you, Father, for the people that you have appointed here right now, this appointed time, God, that they would receive your word. God, they would receive the hope they have in Christ. God, they would walk out of here differently than when they came in. Thank you for always building us up, Lord, building us up, reminding us of who we are, whose we are. Thank you for giving us the victory in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen all right crux of the cross what's it all about let me just give you a couple numbers man we're gonna break it down 89 anybody understand what 89 is 89 is the number of chapters found in the four gospels 89 say 89 89 chapters found in the four gospels four is the number of chapters devoted to the birth of jesus christmas right Birth of Jesus up to he's 12 years old. That leaves us with what? You know, I went to GHS, so. <laughs> 85 chapters. Out of those 85 chapters, 27 of them, 27 of them are about the last eight days of his life on this earth. Now, given those numbers, which do you think that God wants you to focus on more? His birth or his death, burial, and resurrection? Yeah, that's the crux of the cross. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's how important it is to God. Now, we tend on earth to celebrate Christmas more. But in God's eyes, Christmas is great. That's the reason Christ came. But what he did on the cross, he could have came. But without the cross, none of it would mean nothing to us. But because of the cross... We have life. We have hope. Amen? So it's important to God, not just Christ dying on the cross, but let me show you what Paul says, all right? Stay with me here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand. Stand in the gospel. What does gospel mean, church? Good news. If you're going to a church where they point out that you are horrible, <laughs> where they tell you that you're not a good Christian, where they tell you you're not doing enough, the, when they tell you that uh, if you still got sin, God doesn't love you anymore, he doesn't forgive you or whatever they say, let me tell you something. That is not from the Father. The Father wants you to know that you are loved. The more you know you're loved, the more you will walk in that love. The more you will stand in that love. Amen? The more you beat down, the farther away you want to go. Think about your own relationships. If you knew you did wrong, man, I just had a vision come back in high school that I don't want to share. But I remember my father having to come get me out of jail one time. <laughs> one time. And how defeated that was. You know what I'm saying? It, it was not a good feeling. And I, I didn't feel like, uh, man, that ride home. Ooh. <laughs> the worst part about it is he didn't say a word. I'm like, hey, I did it this time, boy. Right? Didn't say a word. That was the worst part about it. I don't mind if he's yelling at me. At least I know how he feels. But when he don't say a word, Boy, that's some serious shame and guilt right there. Amen. So let me just tell you this. Uh, I remember not wanting to go to him because I had failed and I wanted to be as far away as possible. Anybody feel like that before? Right. In your own relationships. Well, with the Lord, Christ has given us a place that even when we fail, we can still come to him. Even when you have sin, you can still go to him. Whereas before you couldn't. But now you can because of what Christ did on the cross. The cross changed everything. 
It changed everything. It, it literally changed time. B.C., A.D. That's how powerful it was. Amen? And so what Christ did on the cross, man, has given us life and life more abundantly. But we got to understand that the gospel is what we stand on. The, God, the good news is what we stand on. Amen? So the good news is, uh, oh, by which also you were saved. You were saved by the gospel. All right? If you hold fast to that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That Listen, when he says first of all there, in the Greek, it literally means here's the most important thing that I delivered to you. The most important thing. It's not Christmas. The most important thing is that Christ died da, 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 for our sins. Sins. Anybody just sin one time? No. No, man. Some of y'all sinning right now judging my bow tie. I see it. Don't, don't try to hide it. I see it. We're going to talk afterwards, too. I can tell you I sinned trying to put it on this morning. I was like, mm. I like how you put it, man. What did you say? I fought myself. <laughs> That's awesome. I fought myself trying to put this thing on. But I want to, I want to, this bow tie is sponsored by uh, Colton and Kara. They put it on for me because James wasn't here on time. Oh, dang, sorry, bro. I was thinking. I didn't mean to say I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. Y'all, some of y'all are like, I ain't never coming back here. That brother pointing people out. Look, it ain't like that all the time. All right. Uh, so, first of all, the most important message that Paul delivered that you can hear, the most important message we should be telling people today, the gospel, is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He died for your sins. If he died for your sins, church, you are not going to have to die for your sins. Someone took your place. Amen? That's the gospel. The gospel is giving you something you don't deserve. Giving you something you can't earn. You can't buy your way. It's not for rich people. It's not for poor people. It's for all people. Alright? And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. He rose again. Church, he's not dead. He rose again. He's alive. That's why we're celebrating. But I want you to know in the context of what we're reading here, the most important thing that we need to know as believers and as unbelievers is that Christ died for our sins and rose again. It's one thing to die, but when you rise up out of the grave and conquer death, that's a whole new ball game right there, church. No one else could do that for you. David couldn't. David couldn't do it. Elijah couldn't do it. None of those cats could do it. You can't do it. That's why Christ came. I'm going to stand this way. I want y'all judging me from behind. Sweet Jesus. Oh, uh, so, so. So some people say, well, he rose, but maybe maybe uh, people just thought they saw him, right? And, and there's a bunch of stuff like that early on in the church. But uh, it says that, and that he was seen by Kephas. Who's that? Peter. Now that's interesting because that's one of the only spots you see that he had a meeting with Peter. Now the last thing Peter did when, when he saw Jesus was what? 
Yeah, he denied him the third time by a little girl with a with a fire of coals right there. Yeah, you remember that in the story? So Peter had this meeting with Jesus that we will never know about. But I'm telling you what it was, was a, a reconciliation with Peter. Because he knows that Peter, that, you remember he told Peter he was going to do it. He said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, oh, no, I ain't. Right? And Jesus said, oh, yes, you is. Right? And he said, I don't know if he said it like that. That's how I read it sometimes. And, and so, and so Peter, but, but listen, Jesus said, Peter, I have prayed for you. Not that Peter wouldn't fail. He said, I prayed that your faith would not fail. He knew Peter was going to fail, but he, he wanted him to know that even when you failed, your faith has got to come back because you are the rock of the church, Peter. And I believe that's what that meeting was about. We'll never know about it this side of heaven. But I love that Peter, the last thing he did, because listen, Jesus said before the cross, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. Peter denied him. So when you see that on Facebook, you better share it. Because if you don't share it, you're denying God. I'm like, good Lord, people. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Just stop. Because Peter denied him. Did God deny Peter? No, what happened? The cross happened. Share that on Facebook. <laughs> don't be telling people you're denying the Lord if you don't share it. That's crazy. Anybody ever see that? If you did that, I'm not. After that, he was seen by over 500 brothers. Let me tell you something. If 500 people see you at one time, it's not an imagination. It's not some dude floating around doing tricks. 500 people saw him. Amen. Uh, at once, see, at once they saw him. Of whom the greater part remain uh, to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. Paul was a killer. He was killing people for, for believing in Jesus. We call those people, what, terrorists today. That's what Paul was. But Jesus met up with him, met up with him on the road. Amen? On the road, the, the light was so bad, it just blinded him. He couldn't see. He was on his way to kill more Christians. But he got blinded by the light. Blinded by the light. Wrapped up. That's probably not a good song to sing in church. But you know what I'm saying. That brother was blinded by the light. We should have stopped there. Uh, edit those. <laughs> he, he, hey, he was blinded. Guess what? Guess who opened his eyes? Ananias. And we know what Ananias' name means in Hebrew, right? Grace. Grace opened his eyes. I love that story, man. Love that story. Paul was born out of due time. He was a Pharisee, the most well-studied Pharisee that there was. But Jesus still got a hold of him. Don't, don't, don't think people are too far gone, amen? And Paul thought he was doing the right thing. He did. But he wasn't loving on nobody when he was killing people, amen? Love opened his eyes. I love it. Uh, so let's go to John chapter 20. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible it's, uh, it's about when, uh, when Christ rose from the dead. It's Easter. We speak about this all year long. Amen? Because it all is about Jesus. I love it. Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. While it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. The stone had been taken away. I just want to tell you, the stone wasn't taken away for Jesus to come out. The stone was taken away for us to look in. 
Christ transcended that stone. Amen. He just came up like. I like to think he popped up out of there, man. Like, what's up, right? So he came up out of the grave. But I love the fact that Mary Magdalene was the first one to see it. God loves people, amen? Mary Magdalene was a great sinner. Great sinner. Some uh, some commentaries say she was a prostitute. Some uh, We know that, that Christ... Uh, uh, pulled seven demons out of her but she was a great sinner but yet she she had a love for jesus she didn't understand but she had a love for jesus amen love that uh she saw the stone had been rolled away then she ran and came to simon peter and to the other disciple whom jesus loved john have you guys heard that before right some of y'all visiting i love this because john is writing this <laughs> The disciple whom Jesus loved is only said by John. Like he's like, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. Right? He knew it. I love it. He knew that Jesus loved him. And there's nothing wrong with that. The disciple whom Jesus loved, he's talking about himself. We should talk about ourselves like that. The one whom Jesus loved. That is literally what the name beloved means. The one being loved. That's who we are. And if we knew that, it would change your life. Some of you, that's all you needed today. Y'all like, can I go? <laughs> We're almost done. Five minutes. All right. Uh, so Peter knew, uh, John knew, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Now, they didn't have any faith. They didn't believe what he said. You see that? They didn't believe that Jesus would rise from the dead. Even though he said it, they didn't know. But they, they loved him. They were looking for him. All right, now Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, John, and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter. He's bragging on himself. He's like, he's writing this. I mean, I outran that joker. He old, right? Because John was considerably younger than Peter, right? So, so they both ran together and the, and the other disciple outran him, right? Got to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. John stooped down, he saw the linen clothes lying there. Lying there. It's linen. Listen, back then, linen was was not cheap. People say somebody stole the body. Let me ask you this. If somebody went to steal the body, why did they take the time to unwrap the linen? Does that make any sense? Ain't nobody going to take time to unwrap the linen if they're going to steal the body. That's just dumb. Amen, Tim? Ooh. But I want you to see this right here. All right? And he's stooping down looking in Saul. See the word Saul? You're going to see three words for Saul in the Greek. Okay? Why isn't it just one word? Now, when we read it, we just see Saul. But how much, how many of you guys know that there's so much life in scripture? Like, especially in the original language it was written in. So we do a lot of Greek and Hebrew here, but this is going to be real easy. So, so John looked in and he saw. Now the word saw here is to see, discern with the body of the eye. It's like I physically saw the linen laying there, right? I believe that these three different terms for saw represent three different ways that Christians approach Jesus today. Okay? There's a reason why they're in there. So John saw with his bodily eyes, he saw the linen laying there, okay? Then Simon Peter came following him and went in. Now he was probably tired. He was like, whew, whew, dang, bro. 
you fast, right? <laughs> then Simon Peter came. Let me just tell you this. I don't believe that there's any insignificant reason for this, right? I don't believe John was bragging on himself. I believe that guilty feet have no rhythm. Peter, the last thing he did, church, was deny Jesus. It ain't like he's going to sprint and give it all out to get there. Amen? When you feel guilty, the last thing you want to do is run to Jesus. Isn't that true? Y'all waiting on me to sing it? <laughs> you are? Thank you, James. I'm doing a concert, too. I'm going to be opening up for Colton next week. Sorry, bro. I'm not. Please come. <laughs> but you see, J Peter, Peter saw the linen clothes lying there. Peter saw him too, but it's a different word. To be a, oh, look at the word, first of all, therio. What word in English do you think we get from that Greek word? Theory. Peter theorized. He's like, how'd that stone roll away? Why didn't they take the linen when they stole the body? Right? He's theorizing about it. That's Peter's personality. Uh, to view attentively, take view of, to survey mentally. All right? You see, it's different than the way John saw it, right? John saw it with his physical eyes. Peter began to theorize about it. Um, and, the, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Now, what thief is going to fold a handkerchief? Huh? A thief's going to come in and steal the body and, and go, wait a minute, my mom told me that I got to leave this place nice and neat before I leave. Right? No, doesn't make any sense, does it? So so the, the, the handkerchief was, was together in itself. It was folded. Then the other disciple whom came to the tomb first, he wanted you to know that he still beat Peter, went in also and he saw and believed. So the first thing is we can see with our physical eyes and then we can theorize. We can see through. through the Hold on, Siri's talking to me. She's been doing that a lot lately. <laughs> so, so we can see. Uh, we can see now. Now John is seeing and believing. Okay, there's a difference. Look at this word. So this one is actually uh, to know of anything, to know, get knowledge of, understand perceive of any fact the force of meaning of something which has definite meaning uh to have regard for one cherish pay attention this i'm going to submit to you is holy spirit knowledge because it's got the word believed added to it now john went in there he looked and he saw and he believed what he's saying is the holy spirit told him what was going on he could see it you know what he saw he saw jesus was not there anymore amen the, and, and the linen folded, the clothes lying there. The Christ had risen from the dead. Amen? All right. Uh, for as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Now, Jesus told them that, but they weren't thinking about that. Right? Sometimes we think, man, Christ said he's going to do this. Christ said that I don't have to worry about anything. He's my shepherd. I shall not lack. Man, Christ is always going to go before me. He's always going to make my path straight. And then you feel like you're looking at your circumstances. You're like, where is he? How come he hadn't done it yet? How come he didn't answer my prayer? And it's dark. And sometimes it's how we see Jesus in that moment. Do you see him physical? Physical means do you see what's going on in your life? Is that what you're focusing on? 
or do you try to theorize it? Maybe it's because I have sin that I haven't confessed yet. That's a horrible place to be. Or you can see and believe. And you can start quoting scripture. He is my shepherd, I shall not lack. He goes before me always. Woo. All right. Uh, then the disciples went away again to their own homes, but Mary stood outside. Where is that? Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. She looked into the tomb, right? And, and she saw two angels in white sitting. This is the first place in Scripture we see angels sitting. You know why they're sitting, church? It's done. The work is done, right? So two angels in white sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And you know me, I love pointing this out. You got the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, picture that in your head. Anybody ever seen uh, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark? The Ark of the Covenant, it's also a, a Bible thing. Got two angels. What's in the middle, church? The mercy seat. That's where they were slaughtering the animal. The two angels were looked down at the, at the offering. They didn't look at the people offering. That'd be freaky. They looked at the offering because that's where their forgiveness came from in the sacrifice. And what Mary saw was the true Ark of the Covenant. She saw two angels sitting and she saw the, the, the bloodstained linen lying there. She got it. She got it. And then, then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now she, her faith is not altogether there. Would you agree? But she loved Jesus. She loved Jesus. She knew there was something about him. But her faith is not there altogether yet, right? Uh, now, uh, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And when I read this, I was like, hold up. She just saw two angels and turned around. They were talking to her. Would you do that? If you saw an angel glowing, like you would talk, and then, and then you just turn around from them. Who does that, man? Today, we'd be taking selfies with them. We'd be like, look, Mike. Mike, can you turn down the glow a little bit? Can you make me glow a little bit, right? That's, she, this, is how, this is how love works, church. She was looking for Jesus. Even though there were two angels there, that would be a miracle. Two angels glowing, two glowing dudes sitting there, right? She turned away from them because her heart was for Jesus. That's amazing to me. Don't ever skip over stuff like that. Like, <laughs> it would be hard to turn away if you saw two angels. Ask Kelly. She couldn't turn away from this. <laughs> Ask her later. Not in front of everybody. In case, you know, I might be wrong. I don't think I am. But All right. So she turned around. She saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, uh, woman, again, why? Oh, yeah. Why are you weeping? Same question. This is the the coolest question. Whom are you seeking? That's a question that people need to ask themselves. Because when you're crying about stuff, when you're worried about stuff, when you're stressing out about stuff, Jesus is like, who are you seeking? Because everything you need is wrapped up in me, and I am for you. I'm in you. Trust me. Trust me. 
But if you're seeking a Jesus that's just going to snap his fingers, man, let me tell you something. How often does that happen? It's not that he doesn't want to, but he wants to make you better. He knows you'll get better. And when I mean better, I mean he wants your faith to grow. That he's always going to be there. He's never let you down. He will not leave you nor forsake you. The devil wants you to think he has already. He doesn't care about you. But that's a lie from the pit of hell. The Bible says he will never leave you nor forsake you. And he will provide all things that you need. In fact, the Bible says he has given us all things that pertain to this life. This life, the Bible says. All right. Um, She's supposing him to be a gardener, said to him. Now, that's interesting. You think that's there by a chance? Who was the first gardener in the Bible? Adam. It started in the garden. It ended in the garden. Amen. And Adam was the first gardener. Jesus referred to as the second Adam, the greater Adam in Scripture. That's beautiful, isn't it? That's why that's there. She could have said, I thought you were a plumber. It's a gardener. All right. She said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Now, she that's what love does. There's no way she could pick Jesus up. Love makes you think crazy, doesn't it? Love will make you do things you ought not to do. Love will make you say things that you may regret later. That would have been a great spot for an amen, so I wouldn't feel lonely up here. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so that's what love does. Uh, she, uh, Jesus said to her, Mary. Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Like she, she didn't know who he was when he said woman because that was God addressing his creation. But when he said Mary, that was the shepherd acknowledging his sheep because they know him. Amen? So, so he said Mary. One word turned her from a weeper to a worshiper. And it was her name. Her name. And God knows you by name. You might know him, not know him by name. You might not have accepted Christ and all that. You might think it's just religious, something you do on Sundays, on Easter. Let me tell you something. He knows your name. And he loves you. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Right? Don't cling to me. He wasn't turning her around saying, hey, don't hug me, woman. Mary. You know, back up. It wasn't like that. He was the first fruit. God the Father had to be the first one to wrap his arms around him. Amen? And she got that. People are like, why, Jesus, why was he so cold? She's crying, and, you know, why didn't you just hug her? <laughs> Don't think in terms of man the way we think, right? He was the first fruit. He had, God had to be the first one. Amen? All right. Uh, but go to my brethren and say to them, <clears throat> I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. This is the first time in Scripture that we get to see, we get to call him Father. Jesus called them brothers. First time in Scripture. Isn't that beautiful? Because of what the cross did, because of what he did and what he accomplished on the cross, we can now go to him and call him Father, Abba, Daddy. Because he loves us. Before, we couldn't do that. He was judge. He was God. He was righteous. But now, because of what Christ did, we became righteous. 
And now he can look at us. Now he can face us. Even where we are, because he doesn't see us, he sees his son who's in us. His blood covers us. That's how the Lord sees us. Now that's good news. When you look at yourself in the mirror, look and see Jesus. See you as Jesus. If you see you as you, you ain't going to stand in front of the mirror that long. But if you see yourself as Jesus, as he is, so am I. Now, you can walk away knowing who you are, whose you are. All right. Mary Magdalene came, told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things. She was fired up, man. I love that. So there's three things that I'm going to tell you about in Scripture that Christians struggle with. One is fear. Well, uh, we have a fearlessness, but we, 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 we struggle with fear all the time. Anybody do that? Fear is stressing about the future. Fear is, is man, my past going to catch up to me. That's what fear is, right? Would you agree? People struggle with that. Well, let's just, he's fixing the same story. He's fixing to address all those things, all right? So then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear, the disciples were scared, fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. Now they were afraid. How many of you guys know fear is a sin? He should have said, what are y'all doing in here, you sinners? Why are you afraid? Confess. No. You know why? Because Christ loves people. He showed up. He didn't condemn them. He showed up and said, peace be with you. Peace is shalom. Well, here it's Irene in Greek. Irene means not just peace of mind, but everything that comes with it. Your health, your, it says prosper. I'm not one of those guys going to say, that's not going to say prosper. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. You take it how you want. Most people think prosper means money. It doesn't. It, there's so much more to it. Amen? I don't apologize for it. If you write me a letter and say you're a prosperity preacher, I'll say, give me your share. And I'll take it. anyway that's what peace means he showed up and said peace now the word shalom in hebrew because he would have been speaking hebrew to these guys you know why because they're hebrew they're not greek he would have showed up and he said peace shalom shalom be with you the root word for shalom is shalem which means to pay for meaning that hey your peace has been paid for Amen? That's beautiful. All right. Look at Revelation 21.8. Just in case you think murderers and sex offenders and all those people are the worst. Look what's number one on the board. But the cowardly, that's fearful, unbelieving, abominable. Let me tell you what that means. You know what that means in the Greek? Sinners. He's like, in case you're not in one of these, I just want to go ahead and cover it. Sinners. Sinners. Murderers. See, here's what we think. Murderers. Man, those guys got to go. Sexual immorality. Sorcerers. Harry Potter freaks. They got to go. Idolaters. All, all them Gator fans that paint their face orange and blue. Yep, that's them right there. And all the liars. Anybody lie? Anybody tell a white lie? And why is it called a white lie? Anybody ever tell a lie? 
Y'all want me to start naming? We're not. Liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's hell. If you're fearful, that's a sin that gets you into hell. If you're unbelieving, faithless, that's a, a sin that gets you into hell. See it? We just think it's all the other ones. No, man. Fear and faithlessness is a sin that will get you into hell. Now, I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm about to give you some good news. I want you to see. What's number one on the sin board? On the leaderboard. You with me? <laughs> so go back. Oh, check this out. This is in John 14. I wrote this verse down. It's on the back of your bulletin. It's very important. Because we get fearful sometimes. What do we get fearful about as Christians? What's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know what my life's going to look like. Now, all this stuff is coming at me at once. Kelly and I are dealing with some of that ourselves, man. Anybody else dealing with some of that? Right? You don't know what's going to happen. You get fearful. But look at this verse right here. Peace. This is Jesus. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Like the peace of Christ, he gives it to us, right? Not as the world gives do I give, because the world want what, what? Something in return. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Our only part, church, is to let not. That's it. When the devil comes at you, he says, what about this? What's going to happen here? You say, let not. Let not, let not my heart be troubled. How can you say that? Look what's going on. Everything around you is crumbling. Where's your God? Let not my heart be troubled. How can you say that? Because that's what the word says. I'm going to say what he says. Don't get fearful in here because that, that look, that's what happens. If you understand, not let your heart be troubled, meaning that you're giving it all to God. When you say I'm giving it to God, God is good. Listen to me. You got to say God is good in the bad times too, not just in the good times. It's easy to say God's good all the time. But man, how many people say that when times are not good right here? He's still good. He's still going to work it out for you. You know why? Because he loves you. So don't get focused on what's going to happen. You can't Control it anyway. I've tried to control what happens tomorrow, church. How do you think it works out? How did it work out for you? Because I ain't the only one. Amen? So do I have to go back to Revelation 21? Lying is a sin. Y'all like, I'm just holding my tongue. I ain't lying. Okay, you got off on a technicality, but you know what I'm saying. All right, so neither will I be afraid. How do you not get scared? How do you not get fearful? You got to know. I will let not my heart be troubled. He makes all things work together for my good. Say all things. All things includes bad things. He makes those things work together for your good. You just got to keep your eye on them. Let not, let not. Walk around work. Let not, let not. They're going to be like, what's wrong with that cat? He's speaking it out. Back to this. We're almost done. All right, what the heck? Boom. All right, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. That's what I was telling you. Your peace has been paid for. Then his disciples were glad. The word glad, there's joyful. They were joyful when they saw the Lord. Now, guess what saw that is? That is the idio that the Holy Spirit seen. When they saw him with the Holy Spirit eyes, they had a revelation. They had joy. 
They weren't afraid anymore. Amen? Faithlessness. Anybody ever been there? Let me just, we're almost done. Let me just tell you this. Faithlessness. I want to tell you what the Lord says about that. Same chapter. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve. One of the twelve. We never hear about Thomas's other twin brother in Scripture. We don't. Thomas was doubting. He was faithless. Right? We don't ever know. You know he wasn't one of the disciples. But I'm here to tell you there's a reason why it's there. And I believe this. It's because we are the twin. We doubt. Amen? Would you agree? Was not with them when Jesus came. See what happens when you miss one Sunday, church. You become an unbelieving believer. He wasn't with them, man. The other disciples therefore said to him, man, we've seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails. That's disgusting. And, and, and put my hand into his side. That's just more disgusting. I will not believe. He, he like wanted to go up. Any of y'all ever read the Bible like that? Me neither. And after about eight days, the disciples were again inside. And Thomas was with them this time. Jesus came, doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. He didn't come condemning them. They're fearful. Thomas is faithless. He didn't come in there and said, Thomas, because of your faithlessness, you've got to confess to me first before I can give you my peace. That's how it's preached sometimes. That's not the truth. Jesus gives you what you need without you trying to earn it or deserve it. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. He got what he asked for. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered to him and said, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. Now, if Jesus was not God, he should have rebuked him right there. But he is God. He is Lord. He should have said, no, no, T, don't get it twisted. I'm not God. I'm the son of God. No, he is God. He's fully God. Sorry. I'll stop yelling. So next verse, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those who haven't seen me, yet have believed. You are more blessed than Thomas because you haven't seen him with your physical eyes. But you believe. Amen? Fruitlessness. The last one is found in the next chapter. John 21, and we're done. I promise. 14 verses. Y'all got time? Don't answer that. You got time. After these things, <laughs> After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And, and uh, in this way, he showed himself Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel, Nate, we call him Nate Dog, and Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. Uh, and two other of his disciples were together. John was like, man, I, I'm like, I can't even think about their names right now. Two of those other dudes, right? So <clears throat> Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. Peter was acting like he was supposed to act. He's a leader. He's a, when he says stuff, people follow. He's a leader, right? He just didn't know what he was supposed to be leading, so he went back to what he was comfortable doing. Some of us have struggles with certain sins that we, that we do every day, and when the times get tough, guess what? We fall back on those. You know why? Because that's where our comfort level is. We're afraid to go that way because we got guilt and shame. 
And guilt and shame will hold you back from everything that God wants to do with your life. Look at this. I have guilt and shame. I can sit up here for days telling you what I did, how many people I hurt in my life, how many people hurt me, the pain I brought on my family, the, the, the shame I brought on my family name. I can sit up here all day long and tell you that. But if I, if I didn't tell you and open up my mouth about how good God is and what he's done in my life, you would have no hope. People should look at this and go, there's hope. Look at that. I knew that cat in high school. Some of y'all like, I knew, I saw him last weekend. How can you get up there and preach after I saw you last weekend? Right? You're the one shot me the bird in front of McDonald's at the light. I'd be like, I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> right? I ain't perfect. I, I freak out sometimes. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Christian, don't judge me, man. Listen, you step on a Lego, see what happens. Yesterday, I stepped on a little plastic dinosaur. And I was like, amazing grace. No, I was like, hold up. <laughs> I'm just joking. Look, it, we should always go back to scripture at this point. <laughs> we we got to edit that out too. I don't want people emailing. We are going also with you. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. These are experienced fishermen. They caught nothing. Nothing. The whole night, nothing. They were experienced and they still couldn't catch anything. That is fruitlessness. People say, hey, you're not producing fruit. Your life's not producing fruit for the Lord. Well, where's your apples, bro? Right? You be judging me? I'll judge you right back. Now, don't do that. Love them. Hand them a banana or an apple or something. Say, here, take it. Here's my fruit. Go ye way. <laughs> but you can always go King James on them. No! Thou hast told me this. All right. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. He stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. Experienced fishermen out there fishing all night caught nothing, right? And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. The right side is the place of blessing. Always. Jesus himself is on the right hand of God. That's where all your blessings are. On the right hand, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Right now, today, you are blessed with everything that God has. God's not holding anything back from you. You know why? Some people think God's holding this back, God's holding this back until I, you know, until I do whatever. whatever. Let me tell you something. If God gave you Jesus, he ain't holding nothing back. He gave you the best that had to offer. Why would he hold back anything from you? Amen? Everything we have is wrapped up in Christ. Whoo. Uh, so they cast, and now they were not able to draw in because of the multitude of fish. Now, Jesus said, cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Now, Jesus' some is different than our some. His is like awesome, right? He, he, he put so much fish in that net, so much fish in that net. And he said some, right? I love that. All right, so they cast, they got it, a bunch. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, <laughs> that's John, said to Peter, bro, you remember when I beat you? No, nah, he didn't say that. <laughs> I'd open up. 
Bro, you remember when we raced last time to Jesus? Let's do it again. No. Uh, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. Now, here's how I know that that meeting with Jesus was a meeting of reconciliation. Because if he had still been focusing on his sin with his guilt and shame, he'd have been swimming the other way. But he swam toward Jesus. Because he knew Jesus loved him. If you're a sinner in this room, you got to know Jesus loves you. Even when you sin, he loves you. All right. Uh, we did all that, did all that, did all that. All right. But the other disciples came in a little boat, came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there. Why is that important? Fire of coals is only mentioned twice in Scripture. Usually it's coals of fire. But when it says fire of coals, it's only used twice. And there's nothing insignificant in Scripture. Amen? The other time, the only other place it's used is when Peter was denying Jesus in front of the fire of coals. And you know how that is, church. You got to sin and, and, you, and you remember the smell of it. I can't drink Southern Comfort anymore. I mean, I don't drink Southern Comfort anymore. Because I can't. You know why? I had a bad experience with it. Anybody else testify to something like that? That was a little hand raised, bro. My boy went with the Baptist raise. I'm like Pentecostal. Me? But you know why? Because you always remember that stuff. I got you, Kelly. Hey. Hey. My wife just time checked me. All right. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm almost done, baby. I promise. This is it. So, so. Why is that? Because, you know, Peter, every time he smelt that same smell, it would remind him of what? When he failed Jesus. But Jesus wanted to replace that memory, church. He wanted to replace it, the same smell, but this time Jesus loving on him, cooking lunch, breakfast for him. Amen? I love that part, right? All right. Then as soon as they come to land, cold there, and fish laid on it, the bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have caught. That's interesting. Did they catch anything on their own? No. They did. They fished all night, caught nothing. But Jesus gave them credit for catching it. Isn't that amazing? So when there's fruitlessness, he provides the fruit. And then he gives you credit for it. That's how much he loves you, church and world. Amen. Love that. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net and land full of large fish, 153. That's some. How many of you guys that are fishermen would like some? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the net was broken, right? The net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Every time, man, it was not to condemn. It was to love. What's the crux of the cross? This is it right here. John 3, 16. You know it. There's a reason why people know this verse. There's a reason why people that are not saved know this verse. Right? For God so loved the world, cosmos, the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but whoever doesn't matter where you're from, what you've done. If you believe in the name of Jesus, you will have everlasting life. Most people don't, ooh. Most people think that this is for the church. 
Whoever is one of the biggest words in that whole verse. Whoever believes. We got to know that God is not just for the believer. He loves the world. In fact, the Bible says he's no longer holding the world's transgressions against you. You know why? Christ paid for them. The world's sin is paid for. When Christ comes back, Hebrews chapter 9, it's not to deal with sin. Sin's dealt with. We need to go out there and tell them who dealt with it. And why he dealt with it. Because he loves them. Amen, church. Stand up. Give Jesus a hand. Yes. This is why we, this is why we, listen, don't just celebrate Resurrection Sunday on Easter. You, every single day, thank the Lord for his son dying for you and rising again. Because every single day, his grace is new. His grace, which you don't deserve, it's new every day. He gives it to us freely. We just need to accept it, church. Believe that. Listen, I'm going to say a little, uh, a couple of things here, and I'm going to bring Pastor Dwayne up. If you don't know who Jesus is, if you haven't accepted him into your life, man, I'd love to lead you in a quick prayer to do that. Listen, it might be a quick prayer. God made it simple. Man jacked it up with religion. You do not have to come back for a 12-week class. You will be saved just by the words you say. I'd love to lead you in that prayer. I'll be out here. We can go in a room and pray that prayer. If you're looking for a church, this is who we are. It's what we believe. It's what we do. It's how he dances. It's how I speak. Amen? We love life. We love the Lord because we know we are loved. If you've got a prayer request and, and, and you need hope, let me tell you something. I can, I can tell you the verse. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You know why? Because the Lord will work it out for you. He always does, always has, always will. Amen? All right, Pastor Pete. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your love, for the great love with which you love us. We thank you for continuing to demonstrate your love for us. We thank you for the cross of Christ. We thank you for his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We thank you that he now sits at your right hand interceding on our behalf. We thank you, Lord, that according to your word, we too sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, God. We thank you for all that you've done through him and for us. And we just thank you, Lord, that we have an opportunity to, to represent you in the earth. Thank you for making us disciples of Christ. Thank you for giving us opportunities to go and to share this good news, this gospel, Father. For your word says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation for all who believe. And we thank you, Father, for loving us all right where we are, right where we were. And we thank you, Father, for the purpose and plan that you have for us, God. We thank you that you are in control and that you order our steps. Thank you, Father, for causing us to be blessed. Thank you for causing us to be made holy, to be made righteous, Lord. We thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes down from above. And so, Father, we thank you that as we leave this place, Lord, that we take this word with us, we hide it in our, in our hearts, Father, and at the appointed time, Father, you give us that opportunity, Father, to share this good news, this gospel, so that many more would become sons and daughters of the Most High God and engrafted into the family of God. We bless you and thank you. May your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. We are dismissed.